it's so simple. But if I always say to people, if someone comes here and they need help or you notice someone that needs help, how can I help? Mm. By simply asking the person how. Because I think a lot of us don't, we, we think we don't know how to help the person. So that's what makes us standoffish. Mm, mm. By putting it back to the how can I help you? Mm. Put it back on the person and find out what they need. Mm. Hi, guys. This podcast explores the importance of our connection, well being, and mental health. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas, and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is for those that want to raise their awareness, change their perspective, or just have a good time. My vision is to help people find reason to live, to grow, and to understand. I do that through this podcast as well as counseling individuals that want to help themselves. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. I just think he's going to talk and it's going to make a lot of sense. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. One man. One podcast. Three, two, one. Reason With Me podcast, episode 15. Reason with my podcast. Reason with me podcast. Reason, yeah, okay. Welcome back. Another episode, another day. Let's do it. Today I am wearing the Living brand again. They are a mental health organization that are paving the way for suicide prevention and mental health awareness and trying to break down that stigma. Uh, essentially, their motto is it ain't weak to speak. If you're watching the video, um, or you're listening to the podcast, I'm wearing their jumper today and it's super comfortable um, and it's for a great cause. So go and check it out. All proceeds go to charity and mental health and all gets filtered back into helping people get well. So let's introduce the guest that I have on the podcast today. Rise Foundation Australia is a mental health education and community resilience organization founded in 2016 by Ben Hicks. But the seed of the idea was planted much earlier than this. Raised in Maroubra and growing up in both the surf and the punk music communities, Ben has silently lived with type 2 bipolar since his teens. Hiding behind a mask of calm and togetherness to friends and family became the norm, but he often found it difficult to leave the house and dance with the idea of suicide on many occasions. In 2013, after losing a couple of friends to suicide and witnessing the ongoing mental health battles of so many others, Ben decided it was time for change in his community. Ben has now run countless workshops and trainings in suicide prevention and mental health well-being. Ben has also raised thousands of dollars for mental health through campaigns and events. Ben hit the ground running from day one and I am absolutely stoked to have him on the podcast. All right, Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited about this one. Um, let's, let's jump straight in. I will just want to get a rough idea of who the hell are you and what do you do? Who the hell am I? Um, ben Higgs. Um, so I grew up uh, eastern suburbs of Sydney, a uh, little suburb called Malabar. Um, grew up there, hung out at Maruba Beach all my life. Um, normal kid growing up, normal life, uh, you know, no, none of this traumatic, big traumatic episode or anything like that for me. Um, probably a stereotypical Australian middle-class family, really. 
Um, you know, we weren't rich, we weren't poor, but, you know, we had our trips to Queensland and stuff like that. Um, grew up playing football, surfing. Um, I was just a little bit different, though. Um, as far back as I can remember, I've had bipolar, mm-hmm. uh, type 2 bipolar disorder. Mm. Um, so, you know, simply meaning that, um, you know, most people's thought processing and ranges of emotions sit there and mine are out there. I have higher highs and lower lows. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but, you know, growing up, sort of normal. Um, I was a wharfie for 20 years. I drove cranes for 20 years. Um, I was doing that uh, and also at the same time dealing with what was going on inside my head. Mm. You know, I, um, you know, like every other kid, I was never taught what this illness was or what was going on inside my head or, or how to deal with it or best manage it. Uh, unfortunately, I went the, the complete wrong way, really. Um, it was drinking drugs that, that sort of helped me feel more comfortable with other people and with myself. Mm, mm, mm. Um, you know, and just wearing that mask that, you know, just putting on a persona that I thought people wanted me to, wanted me to be and who I thought I needed to be. Mm. Um, a few suicide attempts, um, unfortunately, but, you know, I say unfortunately, but fortunately as well, because I think they've actually made me a, a better, stronger person today mm. because I've learned from them. Yeah, a lot of um, learning out of them. Yeah, you know, and, and that, t- that took a lot of hard work and a lot of years to, to come to that realisation as well. Mm, mm. Um, I lost a lot of friends along the way. Uh, and, and that was sort of really the main catalyst as to why I changed jobs uh, and started Rise Foundation Australia. Mm. Uh, I lost a, one of my very best friends uh, a few years ago. Um, and, and what was really the turning point for me is that he'd been reaching out to me it, it, probably reaching out to a few people, but I never took his call. I, I always brushed his call and never called him back because I was scared of what he was going to say to me. And I had mm-hmm. no idea what to say back to him. Mm. Now, even after everything that I'd been through, I still wasn't comfortable in having that conversation with my mate. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I got a call a little while after that to say that, say that he was dead, you know, and, and I had to sit with the, the thought and the feeling that, you know, maybe my conversation could have changed things for him. Yeah. You know, and it's something that I wore, for, wore very heavily for a long time. Mm. Uh, and then I decided I'd go and do the mental health first aid course uh, to, to try and make sure that if, if I got the call again, I, I would be comfortable in, in taking it. Yeah. And um, when I did the, the first aid course, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great course. Um, and, and no real slight on the two people that hosted it that ran it, but you know, they were retirees topping up their super and they just sat there and just flicked through the pages and read off the board and there was no connection. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know what, this is ridiculous because it's such a good course. I'm pushing the dog out of the way. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome dog. First dog <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought, you know, this is such a good course, but you know, it, it needs to get out there, but it needs to be delivered in a realistic way and a way that, you know, especially younger people can, can really grab a hold and it can sink into them. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I went out and got trained in it and um, I left the waterfront um, and, yeah, and started teaching the first aid course, which led into doing um, lived experience talks and keynote speaking and mm. uh, running workshops, um, hosting community events, all this sort of stuff that, you know, the, 
the more I dip my toes in, the more I realized that I love doing what I do. Mm. Uh, and you know, the more I did, the more I realized that more needed to be done. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it was one of the best decisions I ever made was, was making that change and going out and doing this. You know, I, I, I'm so lucky, you know, it's hard to call it a job. Um, you know, I've worked a job for 21 years that I didn't like. I was just there because it paid well. Hmm. when now I've got a job that I, I'm actually excited to do. And, I, and I, you know, I, I love getting up to do it. Um, part of me, because it's, you know, I don't just get the benefit from it. I, I see the impact it has on other people when people start learning this stuff and realizing that they can help each other and, and help themselves. Hmm. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. Yeah, man. No, oh, there's so many, so much to, I could take out of everything that you said yeah. so far. It is awesome. Um, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll focus back on what, how, when, when did you know you had bipolar? I, I was diagnosed with bipolar in my early thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but 10 years ago now, um, previous to that, I'd been diagnosed with depression. Uh, probably about four years before that I was diagnosed with depression, mm. but it was really from my early teens. I knew that I was different. Um, I just yeah. felt in my head different. I could see that I felt differently about things that people did not, and, and you know, a different thought processing and everything. Um, but it was always just normal to me because that was just who I was, you know? So yeah. mm. it wasn't like, you know, like a kid goes to the doctor and, you know, because they realize something's wrong, they get a diagnosis for diabetes or something, you know? Um, mm. Mm. there was never any of that. It was just that that was just me. That was who I was. And that was just, just what I had to, to live with. Mm. Um, and then it was later on, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've, I've been with my now wife uh, for 20 years. So, you know, I was 20 years old. And so she'd been with me long enough to know that something wasn't right. Mm. Uh, and it was her that pushed me to, to, to go to the doctor um, yeah. because things weren't going well for me mentally. Mm. Um, and she pushed me for that. Unfortunately, I was, I was diagnosed with depression first. Um, and then, it, it, you know, the medication and everything sort of helped, but not really. Mm, uh, yeah, and yeah. Things weren't still going right. So uh, it was getting then, lows, so, but it wasn't, it wasn't getting yeah. the highs. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It wasn't. And it was, it was actually skyrocketing the highs because, yeah, okay. you know, in simple terms, someone that's depressed, we, they give, get given uppers. Yeah. So for me, when I was going in that manic episode, it sort of really ramped it. Mm. Um, hmm. and then what had happened, we, we were running a community event in Maruba called, uh, plebs, Pros and personalities for suicide prevention Australia. So it was a charity, uh, treadmill run. And through that, we got linked to the black dog Institute and stuff. And, and, you know, we sort of talked and said, maybe we should go see them, you know? So yeah, it was, um, it was from then that put a name on it. That sort of put the label to it. And it was Good in a way, you know, it didn't change anything for me. It changed the medication, but for me, I was still the same person. Mm, yeah. the, the big benefit that came from, from it was, um, was, you know, my wife and my family and my close friends now actually had something. So, oh, that's what it is. So they could go and look into it and they could sort of research and say, okay, how can we help him and what can we look for? Mm. Hmm. I think with bipolar, uh, a lot of the feedback that I get is when they, because there is a lot of misdiagnosis with bipolar and, and the unfortunate part of, of bipolar is, you know, the, I think the best solution at the moment that we've got evidence wise is to be on medication. And a lot of people come back and say, 
once they got diagnosed with bipolar, it was sort of a relief because it's like, you know, fuck, now I'm going to get the right support rather than all this mumbo jumbo and this and that sort of not hitting the bar. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, I take medication every day. Um, you know, more power to people that don't take medication. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get this idea that there's this, you, you, you know, you're a tougher person if you don't. It's whatever works for you for me. I um, think, yeah. yeah. You know, for me, you know, I, I call my medication a safety net. I think the biggest helps for me are my lifestyle choices. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But I also, I, I, I also take the medication because then I can be a little bit lax on my lifestyle, you know. I, so I can enjoy beer with my mates or I can eat a pizza on a Friday night with the kids. I can have a couple of days off train. I don't have to be as regimented, mm. but it's still being that self-aware and, and knowing. And, you know, and I think that comes with a diagnosis, but also with, with experience, with, you know, years under the belt of living with it and, and knowing what to do. 100%. I think the, there's no, there's no answer when you're using just medication with anything. Um, you've got to back it up with, with all the things you're talking about and, and you, you preach and live that every day, which is, um, you know, a testament to your wellness, right? I think that's the, the most important part is, is yes, this might be advised, but it's like, I, sure, I can get told to go to the gym, but that doesn't mean I can go and, you know, choke down on pizza every single day and <laughs> think I'm going to get the results. Like you've got to back it up with the, with the, like you said, the lifestyle choices, the self-care and all that sort of thing because otherwise you're just hitting brick walls still, you know? Yeah, that's it, you know, and I, and I think the, the, the beauty of it, I think, is the, exper- the experimentation in what is going to work. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, yeah, you know, for me, the, my biggest help is, you know, and is salt water. So being able to go for a swim or go for a surf or even just look at the salt water, that just calms me down, you yeah. know, and just helps, you know, if salt water fixes everything in my eyes. Um, but, you know, I travel to mining towns and, I, you know, I'm in the middle of the country. I don't have that there. So I've got to bolster the other stuff up. Mm, so mm. that means I've got to get a bit stricter on my diet and I've got to make sure I hit the gym each day, you know, and it's, it's just finding that balance because mm. this COVID thing's probably, you know, exemplified that in that, you know, gyms got closed, the beach got closed for a while. You didn't have access to all the food, you know, so yeah, you yeah, had to yeah. make sure you found that balance and knew what was, what was available to you. Massive test for all of us, I think. Even the, the most biggest advocates for self-care was struggling. Not well, me, but you know, struggle. I was struggling. I was struggling to find out. Well, I would normally do this. What am I going to do instead? And if I chose to do nothing, then you'd see me plummet. You know, and I think that was a big, you know, unwanted test. By the way, no one wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but we all we all had to adapt and and moderate. What you're talking. Yeah. About. It yeah. was funny. I, I spoke. I was speaking to one person. Um, you know, and they've, they've had, you know, long history of depression and anxiety and stuff. And we were having a joke and I was saying, hey, this is okay. My life's prepared me for this. Yeah, I've lived yeah. this way for, for years, you know, so I'm used to it. Mm. But, um, but it was tough, you know, like it was so easy to, to fall into bad habits again. Definitely. You know, like being home all day, you know, there's nothing to do. Well, I'll pick up a beer and I'll, I'll start having a beer and that was getting earlier and earlier. And mm. You know, I didn't realize at first, but was sinking into, into that sort of path again. And then it was just yeah, man. being able to self-regulate, you know, and having someone there to say, hey, you know, you need to stop this because it, it could end up very, very bad, you know? Mm, 100%. 100%. Um, 
I'm glad we're at the back end of it. Hopefully at the back end of it. Yeah, um, I, I sort of liked it though. I mean, it was, it was a good, good. It was a good test. Good. Yep. Hmm. And I think, um, yeah, man, what what you said makes so much sense with when you say um, people with lived experience and people with things that you know, traumatic history, crisis regularly. This is nothing. This is nothing for them. You know, pandemic is is there every day for some people. And yeah. it's definitely a lot of my experience. I'm more worried about you know, Mr. Jones, who's never never had a bad day in his life. All of a sudden, he's lost his job. You know, I, I'm I'm I, I my heart goes out to people that don't know how to get, get through adversity at all. Yeah. Yep. That's it. People have had no experience with it. You know, it was all new to them, you know? Um, you know, I'm lucky. I, I, I really simplified my life a long time ago because, because of this sort of stuff, you know, because yeah. of having those ups and downs, I knew that it was going to be a lot easier to deal with both sides hmm. if things were as simple as possible. Yeah. So with all your life experience and, and I guess the, the, the foundation that you've started, um, where do you think you pull your strength from to do the work that you're doing with it all, with the workshops yeah. and, the, and the talks and the keynote speaking? And you're doing so much of the community for such an important topic. Where, where do you pull your strength to do that? I, I, I say it a lot to people in that you know, I, get, I get more, you know, whenever we run these courses or, or do the talks, I get more out of it, I think beat it sorry i get more out of it than what i think other people do you know because i get to i get to see people absorb all this stuff and and you know those light bulbs start to go off and people start to realize that they can help themselves and they can help others and you know or i was on the right path here and so you know especially with the courses because we we base everything off education Mm. um we took you know, we took our foundation in the path that awareness only gets us so far, but education creates change. Mm, mm. So we don't, you know, although we're hearing people's stories and, and it can get really, you know, really heavy to carry, a lot of the time when people are leaving, they, they feel enlightened and they feel empowered that they can actually make this change themselves. So people are leaving on a high, so it leaves us on a high. Mm. So, so it, mm. it makes it so much each time you just, you just want to keep going for more. And, mm. you know, I've seen the positive effects it has on people, you know, we get feedback and that's what keeps me going in that, you know, I've got two young kids as well. And I wish someone had to come to, to my school and spoke to me. And I know if I'm doing it, other people are going to do it. And so there's hope that my kids will get this education mm. so that when they grow up, they don't have to go through what me and my friends went through with losing friends and everything like that. So mm-hmm. that's what really gives me the drive to keep going. Yeah, man. I mean, I was literally just messaging a friend who's asking me what I was doing tonight. And I said, Oh, I've got, I've got Ben coming on. And I explained, you know, what, what, they, what you do. And he's Googled you. And he's like, oh, he presented to us at Qantas Australia. He said it was by far the best mental health first aid training that I've ever been to. And I awesome. think it's, it's, it's stuff like that. You know, I've been, to, I've been to mental health first, first aid training. It was fucking shit, you know, just like you said, it was these worn out, worn out, um, you know, probably not even, yeah, they just, they just didn't want to be there. And you could get by, get your certificate and walk away. You got your little certificate now. Good for you. Yeah. But the connection and the pull and the drive. And I think that even the reason behind why you're doing the things you do that you just answered so beautifully is what makes people get stuff out of these courses and actually then can apply it in their life. Yeah. You know, look, we're, we're very open that none of us are psychologists or anything like that. No, but 
you know, I, anyone walks in a room, I, you could give them a book with stats and all the science behind it and they can learn it. But for me, it's hearing story and, it, and it's hearing people talk about real life stuff mm. and people coming from, you know, the point that, hey, you know, like I say, I don't know all the answers. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a crane driver by trade, you know, but, but what I can tell you is what, what I've picked up along the way and what's worked for me and what's worked for people I've spoken to. And, you know, I, I like to open it up. So let's, let's all talk about each other's experience and what we've mm. learned and maybe we can pick some stuff up there. Yeah, it's crazy how much the answer's in the room with people trying to get the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really great. I mean, the feedback that you, you're getting and, I, and, I've, and I've seen some of the feedback that you're getting just by the community's response and it, it's so awesome and you, you definitely are, you know, paving the way for that sort of way that we should be doing this, not just this is what we should be doing as a country and society, but it's it's the way that we're doing it that's going to, I guess, be the testament and stand the test of time, I guess. So yeah. I guess a reason, reason with me, Ben, why is equipping people with these tools and these skills so important as, like, as Australians for our connection and our mental health and our well-being? Yeah. You know, I, I sort of touched on it before, but you think about a kid growing up that has, say, asthma or diabetes. Now that kid from, from the very start gets every bit of help, education and acceptance that they need to make sure that they're as safe, healthy and comfortable as possible. Mm. You know, you go to school, the teacher has an asthma puffer in the drawer. You know, you, you pull out an asthma puffer or insulin and no one blinks an eye. Mm. But for a kid growing up with mental illness, they're not afforded that. You know, it's not talked about. They're being told to toughen up, suck it up, get over it, stop carrying on, stop looking for attention, all of that. Mm. And then they're just expected as they get older, just make it up and learn as they go. Mm. And it doesn't work. You know, it, it doesn't work. And, and there's no difference in them. They're just both illnesses. Mm. But I look at it, how many people die in Australia per year due to asthma? You know, but, but we're losing over 3,000 people every year to suicide in the country. Mm. So with, without having these tools, without having, you know, these techniques and learning about this, we, we can't stop that. You know, mm. you, this awareness only gets us so far, you know, because everyone's heard of mental health now. You know, we've got Are You OK Day, we've got Movember, all of this. But, you know, what, what do we do if, if we, we need help? Where do we go to? Who do we look to? If mm. someone comes to us and needs help, how, how do we help them? How do we speak to them? We're not taught this stuff, you know. Mm. We, we teach kids how to drive before we give them keys to a car. Mm. For the simple reason that it's safer. Mm. So if we can start educating kids on this stuff before, you know, the, what the normal onset's, what, 18 years of age? You know, so if we can start, you know, I'd love to see all this brought into the school curriculum. You know, put it in as part of health studies so that when kids are starting to experience this, that, that they're, you know, they're equipped to deal with it. Mm. I was literally just going to ask, like, how, how would you see change start to happen? And I think that hits the nail on the head is we need to start educating our younger people. And this needs to be in the school curriculum for sure. Yep. Yeah. You know, like we, we do health study or PE and stuff at school. Not in any of that do you learn about mental health. Well, it didn't when I was at school and any kids that I've spoken to, they don't really talk about it. Mm. You know, I look at, you know, I've talked to, you know, like football clubs, you know. You've got, you've got school teachers, um, you know, sports coaches, 
I even look at hairdressers and barbers and tattoos and stuff like that. All these places that people go to that are in groups that can see the changes in them that are trying to teach them stuff that they feel comfortable around. Why aren't we training these people? PTs, mm. you know, the a guy who works with me, Robbie, is a, a, a PT and boxing coach. And we did a, a, a survey monkey last year. We surveyed a hundred PTs and we're asking about, you know, their training in mental health and physical health. And even Robbie was saying in the 10 years, he's been a, a PT. He's used his physical first aid training once. Mm. But in, in the survey we did, 90% of them said they've had a client cry during the session because of stuff going on. I think it was 80% said they've had a client tell them they're having suicidal thoughts, but not one of them had any training in mental health. Yeah. You know, so that's why this is, this is why this is so important to get these, this education, these tools out there so that people are equipped to start helping each other. You know, we pay such a high importance on St. John's physical first aid. Every pool's got a CPR chart, you know, which is great, but, you know, for up here, it's just not happening. Mm. Mm. Yeah, man. I think the, the workshops are, are growing and, and, and you're right. Our mental health is drastically improved in terms of our awareness and, and what is available to find out. Like everybody knows what or heard of depression and anxiety now, whereas 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it was what the that doesn't exist, you know? Yep. So we've come a really long way, but our, our suicide rate's increasing. It's a leading cause of death for 14 to 44 year olds in Australia. That's massive. It's yep. too big. And it's, and it's the only way we're going to start to make that change is by doing things like, like what you're doing and, and educating people that aren't just like myself who study, study and constantly studying to find out how I can support more people. You know, I can't, we can't rely on the health professionals in the world. Because we're outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if and if everybody had these tools, you know, like everybody's aware of how to look after themselves physically. If yeah. everyone was aware of how how to look after themselves mentally, it would funnel the people who really needed the help into you guys. Yeah, so yeah. it would allow you guys the time to deal with the people that really needed that the crisis help and the, the help. You know. Mm, mm, mm. Um. You know, like I. I was only talking to uh, the head trainer at Lifeline, Sydney, Debbie. She was saying that calls to Lifeline over COVID went up 20%. Yeah. And I read today, I think Beyond Blue was 30%. And they can't take all the calls. Hmm. So there's calls going unanswered. But I find it hard to believe that every single one of those people, if they had a bit of this training, if they would need to make that call, if they could call a friend hmm. or they could sort of, you know, get go and get themselves proper help before it got to the crisis. Mm, absolutely. And I had um, an ambassador for IUAK last week talk, talk about uh, similar approaches and just having those conversations and what those conversations can be. What, what do you think the most important part is if you are that person um, that someone is coming for help? What, what would you, what would you say is something that's really key? It's so simple, but if, I always say to people, if someone comes here and they need help or you notice someone that needs help, how can I help? Mm. By simply asking the person how. Because I think a lot of us don't, we, we think we don't know how to help the person. So that's what makes us standoffish. Mm, mm. By putting it back to the how can I help you? Mm. Put it back on the person and find out what they need. 
Mm. You know, that way you can say from example, I can do that or I can't do that. But, but at least, you know, at least that person has been able to verbalize what, what's, what they need. And, mm. and that's where we can, that's a starting point for us to get them the help instead mm. of us guessing, you know, yeah. because we, we go into a situation, oh, you got to do this. You got to take this, got to see yeah. this person. Yeah, definitely. Well, maybe they've already tried that and it's not going to work. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Um, couldn't agree with you more. I think it's just asking somebody like how, how can I support you? Um, rather than saying, here are all the things that I know that work for me. I'm going to tell you how to help you because yeah. I know better than you, you know, and yeah, read this book and take this pill. Yeah, exactly. People hate that. People hate unasked for advice, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think when we're, when we're in a really bad place mentally as well, we feel out of control with what's going on in our life. Hmm. So for someone to say, how can I help? And then say, and you know, they say, well, I need one, two, three, four, and five. It starts to give them some control because now they're in control of what's going to help them. Mm. So mm. we're already starting that process. Mm. And it's so simple, you know, how can I help? Mm. Man, really, really valuable. And then I guess being on the back end of that, um, what, 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 what can you do for yourself? You know, when you are in those difficult situations, like what, what does it take or, or what to step forward from your opinion? Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's hard because we've, you know, we've all got egos and, and we, we, none of us want to be a burden. Hmm. You know, it, it's, I think it's being honest with yourself a lot of the time and being able to, to regulate and just look in the mirror and take stock at where you're at. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a journaler or that, but I always recommend to people if they are, if they like to write, keep, keep that diary because you can start to, to get a measure on it or, you know, putting in, a, a, you know, it, it's funny to say, me, me and like a code. So me and Robbie, who I work in, with every day, we send each other a number. So we work it on zero to 50 and zero to 50. It's what weight we're carrying with us. So, you know, each day I'll text 20 kilos or 30 kilos. And we know that from 40 up, it's getting to a crisis. Uh, The way we talk about it with people is that all these different lifestyle choices and events in our life add weight to us. Mm. You know, think about like a a weight vest that you can train with. You know, if you're not eating right, add weight. You're drinking too much, add weight. Financial troubles, add weight. And it all Mm. adds weight. Mm. You know, when different things take weight off, you know, you're exercising well and you're sleeping well, all that, but we're all carrying some amount of weight and some worry in our life. Hmm. And so each day we just send each other what weight we're at. So it's a check-in for ourselves, and then the other person knows. Yeah. Um, and then we both know uh, over a certain weight is I need you to come around right now. Yeah. You know, so for, for me, it's 45 kilos and up because 50 is the limit. I need you here, you know? Hmm. And it's then putting it's, those again, practices how, into place. Yeah. And then it's how, how can I help you with that? How can I take some of your weight off? That's it. You know, and, and you know, we're, we're very open with each other. Um, and so we know what to sort of do with each other, how to help each other. And, and I think that's, that's probably the big part is finding, finding the people around you, those support networks, you know, the people that, that love and care and trust with you, you know, and that you feel the same and you know that you can turn to them. You know, if you've got friends that, you know, don't want to hear it or think you're, you know, looking for attention or yeah. you're just being a sook, get rid of them. 
Mm. You know, they're, they're not worth it. Um, if you've got people that you're always there for, but they're not there for you, well, then what's the point? Mm. You know, find, find some good, solid support networks and be honest. Too many gems in one session, I think. <laughs> ben, you, you keep firing them at me. I don't know how further into the computer Mate, screen I can get. <laughs> I'm used to talking for like a whole day, so I'm yeah. trying to switch it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, um, in terms of like how much weight I've got on with all the amazing things you got, I'm definitely at a 50, so thank you. Um, look, let's, let's wind down just a tiny little bit. Yep. You, you've mentioned a few things. Um, that I guess you do to look after yourself and salt water was, was definitely a massive one, um, which you're happy to, uh, you're more than welcome to reuse. But what yep. would you say in terms of your self-care is something that's like non-negotiable? Exercise. Mm -hmm. Exercise for me, um, and, and I'm not saying every day, um, and I, you know, I'm not talking CrossFit or that. Um, even if it's just a walk, you know, taking the dog to the park, mm. um, you know, that was the one thing I've really struggled with with COVID was um, going to the gym. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a good community gym down at first grade. And, you know, although sometimes I go in there half ass that I just couldn't be stuffed, it's actually having that place to go to. Still there. Um, and having those people there. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I've got a little bit of equipment here. You know, I've got the, the boxing bag and stuff. But for me, it's, it, it, it just does wonders for me. You know, a good chance for me to clear my head, even if I'm feeling good, you mm. know, I find, you know, just walking the, you know, the creative juices start to flow and things just clear out. hundred percent. You, know, you notice any bloke, you do two sessions in the gym and the chest goes out and the shoulders come up a bit. We all of a sudden feel like we're getting jacked up because yeah. that's what it does for us. You know, yeah. that, that's, that's what it does to, to us physically. So, uh, yeah, that's the one thing for me. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I've never walked so much in my life now that I can't go to the gym. I'm, I'm an expert walker. I, that's just all I do. Walk, 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 walk. It's good. Mate, I should have rung you a couple of years ago. So 2016, I, uh, me and a couple of mates walked from Gold Coast to Sydney. Oh, mate, I'd crush it today. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I should be careful what I wish for because you'll probably do it again and call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did um, 60Ks a day for 15 days straight. Yeah, I'm not that good at walking. <laughs> <laughs> Neither was I. <laughs> uh, oh, well, that, I mean, it's all for a good cause. You would have had sore feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. But we raised a heap of money for uh, Suicide Prevention Australia and we had fun and met some so many good people along the way. So it was awesome. That, that is awesome. So is there, is there a book, a go-to book for you, Ben, something that you found really inspiring or really helpful in your in your time yeah i uh, i can't put it down to one so i'm gonna have to go to uh 12 oh, rules wow. for life jordan peterson 12 rules for life yeah i've heard that one jordan peace um and lost connections by johan hari yeah man the second the second johan to drop into the podcast seven series it's he's a good guy i yeah, um, I, um, yeah. I love him hmm. everything everything he says is so it's just ah oh, that that's so now that I think about it, of course, you know, um, I just find the, his approach to it, but that lost connections book changed, changed my whole outlook on, yeah. on the whole mental health and mental illness concept. It's all, it's all about connection. His, yep. his other book, um, chasing the scream. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. That, yeah. that addiction. And I guess that's where I work in a lot of addiction and, um, 
same thing, man. Just it all comes down to connection and, and, and what that means. And I think that's that's probably the exact thing that that you're doing with these mental health um, workshops and all the things that you're doing. That's there's there's education and then there's connection. And then when you bring those two get two together, you're actually going to get change. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. Um, yeah, and that was the, that was like the beauty of you know, where we met at, at Joey's Confit event. Yeah. You know, that, that connection, you know, getting communities together and, you know, people may not think they're hearing and learning, but, but some will sink in and, and just seeing people out there all together. That that's where that's, that's the beauty of it all. hundred percent. So Ben, where, where can people find you? What, what's, what's going on for you at the moment? Yeah. Um, we're sort of like everyone else. We're, we're sort of tread and water at the moment. Um, seeing where, COVID and stuff land. Uh, we're doing a lot of stuff on Zoom. We're happy to go face-to-face at, at this stage. You know, I've been out back into one office building. Uh, people can get us at Rise, the risefoundation.net on our website. Yep. Um, Rise Foundation Ost on Instagram. I'm still uh, scared of Twitter, so I'm not on Twitter. Neither. Uh, nah, <laughs> I, it, it scares me. Um, we got enough. We got enough social medias for... <laughs> Yeah, that's it. But uh, the, the website's probably the easiest and it's got everything there, that breakdown of all the different courses and stuff we do and everything like that. So we've got a heap of stuff on there. Mm. Well, hopefully everything um, settles back in because um, that connection so so pure and real and it's face-to-face. And although it's probably awesome what you could probably bring into a Zoom meeting, um, it'd be good to get back into the real emotion and connection and energy in the room. Yeah. No, you can't beat face-to-face, I think. Yeah. So look, man, we'll, we'll wrap it up there, Ben, but it's been an absolute honor to have you on the podcast and we thank could you chat all day, but yeah, thanks yep. so much for coming in, man. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. All good. Do you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals? Go check out findreasontherapy.com.au or the Find Reason Therapy Instagram page.